Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Hey folks, before we talk to Rocky Mountain Mike, I have the online shopping special for the holiday season, so get ready. Just for my listeners, the Clean Phone, the top brand in UV sanitizing, is now offering their top-rated, top-selling, best-reviewed wand product at 50% off and free two-day shipping. The Clean Phone wand is a handheld UV sanitizer that helps you eliminate 99.9% of bacteria and kill viruses in seconds on virtually any surface. It uses the same proven sanitizing technology employed by hospitals, use it on packages, groceries, keyboards, tablets, money. Take it with you everywhere and at 50 percent off and free two-day shipping for a limited time it's the perfect gift for anyone who needs it it's super portable and with days of battery life you can take it anywhere and make sure your environment is clean and safe covid cases are on the rise get the clean phone wand at 50 percent off right now and they'll take 60 percent off a second wand yes there's more 60 percent off your second wand it's a great holiday gift for family and friends so go to thenewdealshop.com that's thenewdealshop.com Dot com. And now let the cartoons begin. Broadcasting from Resistance Headquarters. Relentlessly fighting back against the clown dictator and his regime of deplorables. Never give up, never surrender. This is the Bob Seska Show, presented by BubbleGenius.com. From our nation's capital, it is Wednesday, December 2, 2020, and this is the interview edition of the Bob Seska Show on the Sexy Liberal Podcast Network. My guest today should be recognizable to listeners of such shows as The Stephanie Miller Show and this one. The great Mike Hardiman, also known as Rocky Mountain Mike, is here today to talk about his song parodies, his photography, working from home, and we're even going to spend a little time talking about Star Wars, too. So stand by for action. You can follow Mike's photography at michaelhardiman.com. And you can follow him on Twitter at Rocky Mountain Mike. That's Rocky MNTN Mike. Links in the description. Meanwhile, you can support my podcast by signing up for our bonus content at patreon.com slash Show or simply bobseskashow.com. Okay, let's catch up with Rocky Mountain Mike. I really have to thank you for your Tuesday and Thursday shows because um, it's what I listen to when I'm doing yard work. <laughs> I can always tell how far I have left to mow the front lawn by how far along in the show you are. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like me. Because it usually takes about the same amount of time to mow the lawn as it takes to listen to your show. Oh, great. Hey, well, I'm glad to provide that service. You know, it's like uh, 
It's like when I go on an airplane trip or when I'm on a plane, I always listen to the Mark Marin's podcast. I don't know why yeah. exactly. Well, but- and when I was in Oklahoma City and I lived in Bricktown, which is the big, you know, the sort of touristy downtown area, like, you know, they've got, they've got a river walk and all that shit. Yeah. And I lived there. And I'm right down the street from from uh, fucking Kevin Durant, actually. Oh, wow. And and uh, when I would get off work, I would just head out the door and do a walk, a three-and-a-half-mile walk around mm-hmm. Bricktown and back to my apartment. And that would last exactly as long. No, when was it three? Yeah. That would last exactly as long as the Neil deGrasse Tyson podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. I've been meaning to ask you. How did you end up in Western North Carolina? Uh, Central North Carolina. Oh, you're, you're, you know. Central. Okay, gotcha. Oh, yeah. Western would, I don't know. I guess Asheville would be nice. But <laughs> All right. Well, I must have thought Western because you had, maybe you had traveled through Western North Carolina at, at some point where you were in a bar or a diner. Yeah, I posted that, that, was that picture really, a couple yeah, of weeks yeah. ago. I went over there to, to shoot the sunset at Clingman's Dome, which is the highest point in North Carolina and Tennessee, both right oh. there in the middle of Great Smoky Mountains National Park. Yeah. I'd gone there just to shoot the sunset because in November, you get the sun further south than it is any other time of the year. Mm-hmm. And I got up there, and it was fucking freezing cold, and the wind was blowing 35 miles an hour, oh, and it was too dry, and mm. it was just like fuck this and i just went back to my hotel and on the way i knew that there was going to be no place to buy food anywhere yeah and then i suddenly realized that i my door to my uh, my motel room was literally like 30 feet from the front door of this sports bar <laughs> and and nice. i knew that it probably would be a mask challenge and i go in there and i order so i ordered you know i just ordered a takeout right yeah and it wasn't ready when they said it was. So I had to spend 15 minutes in this place. And it was trivia night. And it was Monday night. So the place was crowded, <laughs> r- relatively crowded. And there were only two people in there wearing masks. And none of the wait service staff had, a, had them on. Yeah. And I was just like, okay, if I'm going to get it, this is this will be it. You know, this will be the place I get it. Mm. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, I mean, I want to see <laughs> trivia night at a place in Western North Carolina where they don't wear masks. I, I yeah. think the answers must have been entertaining. Were they? Uh, my, yeah, that was my <laughs> question. I said, who was Herman Cain? <laughs> perfect. That's a perfect yeah. fucking question. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly what I was thinking. Oh, Holy shit. And every time somebody would, I would stand at the end of the bar, you know, trying to keep my distance from everybody. Mm. And then every once in a while, like the trivia master guy walks by and he's just like, and they would get, and I would just start moving away from whoever it was. <laughs> like, you know, don't get anywhere <laughs> fucking near me. And they did, they couldn't catch on. That's, that's what I was doing, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, have you and, ever... And it's, it's so funny because the waitresses all call you sugar and honey and stuff. And they're, everybody's so fucking nice. Yeah. And they're just... Fucking morons, man. It's, just, <laughs> it's, just, it's and, very and my county, I don't know if you know this or not, my county voted more for Trump than any other county in North Carolina. 77% wow. for Trump in this county. So, so I, it is just moron central, you know. So all of that uh, ballot stuffing that you engaged in for Trump actually paid yeah, off, just right? No, nothing, nothing. <laughs> you know, George Soros is going to want his money back. You know? So let me ask you, man, you are uh, a master. When it, I mean, your photography, uh, I don't think a lot of people who hear your song parodies and everything on the Stephanie Miller show or my show or whatever know that you're like one of the great kind of wildlife photographers in terms of uh, national parks and so on. Has there ever been a situation where you've been out, where you've been stranded, some sort of harrowing oh, yeah. escapade where you've been lost in the wilderness? I'm going to get nerdy on you here. I'm okay. not a wildlife guy. They, they shoot like, you know, birds and shit. Animals. <laughs> yeah. 
but yeah, that I um, I was a officially listed missing hiker at White Sands then National Monument, now National Park. Oh my God! In this was 1994, and um, I worked for American Airlines then, right? So I could fly mm-hmm. for free, and that was a particular trip where I wanted to shoot a great sunset. And this is how this is this is you know this is first world problems right here. Uh, I would go to the airport literally with two different boarding passes in my hand. Mm-hmm. One was for um, Monterey, I mean, for San Jose, so I could go down to Big Sur and shoot the sunset at Big Sur. And the other was for El Paso so that I could drive up to White Sands and shoot the sunset. Mm-hmm. And I didn't decide until I was on the shuttle bus which one of those I was going to go to. <laughs> and uh, and I picked El Paso because there was a storm moving that way. Mm-hmm. And I and the storms mean, you know, if it moves through at the right moment, you, that means you get a great sunset. So I go there. I go to. I've been to White Sands many times, so I know the place. And what you have to do is you have to go to like the most northwest part. It's a loop, right? You go in, then there's a single road that goes up, and then it loops around and comes back on yeah. itself. And so you go up to the northwest part of that loop uh, to walk an additional mile or so out on the sand to get away from all the footprints. You know. Mm-hmm. So the idea is great sunset and ripples in the sand, going to be a great shot. Yeah. Well, I get there, and the storm is not like a thunderstorm. It's a fucking windstorm. Wow. And it's like 45-mile-an-hour winds, and there's you know, there's that gypsum sand blowing everywhere. It is fucking horrible. Yeah. And I get out there, and I think, well, this is just going to blow over, and, you know, and I'll get my shot and everything. Well, you know, it's like 4 o'clock when I get there, and I head out, and the sun sets at 6, right? Mm-hmm. So. You know, after I've been out there for about an hour, I suddenly, I hunker down. I find the only shelter there is, which is like a bush. (laughs) Or it's like a tree, a little tree, a little tiny tree underneath a sand dune. And I suddenly realized, well, there's there's no fucking way I'm getting any picture here. It's just, it's like that scene in Star Trek II Mm. where they get on the planet and there's just a dust storm everywhere. I mean, are you worried about your equipment? I mean, with all that sand and and dust and everything getting... You know, not if I leave it in the backpack but yeah. you know yeah that has always been a problem you mm-hmm. know with that stuff and when i get home from white sands it's always like you have to shake all that stuff out and get right it. right so i decided to go back to the car well uh holloman air force base is out there right yeah uh that's where they have the stealth fighter and everything so uh it starts to get close to dark dark and i head back to where i think the road is and i don't realize that i'm going actually parallel to where the to where the road runs so uh-huh. i'm not hitting the road at any point wow and now all of a sudden it's six o'clock and it's dark and the wind is still blowing but it's clear the the storm has moved over so i can see the stars and everything so after hiking for two hours from dark until two hours after sunset i give up on the idea of hitting the road in the park and start to head for the main highway. Mm-hmm. And the main highway is 11 miles south of me. <laughs> but I can make out the, the lights of, of Alamogordo. I can make out the lights of Las Cruces. So I know, and I can see the stars, so I know which way is south. Mm-hmm. So I know eventually, if I just head south, I'll hit the highway. Well, that took six hours. <laughs> Jesus. So at this point, it's 3 o'clock in the morning. And I'm on, or it's like 1 o'clock in the morning, right? And I'm on the highway, and I'm... I th- for some reason, I think I'm clear. Well, guess what? Nobody's going to pick you up on the highway in the middle of the night. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right. And, I, and all I had was a just a little one of those little things of, of Avion or whatever, just a little bottle of water mm-hmm. for for that whole period. Wow. Uh, and so I start. And I, I also don't know when I hit the highway if I'm east or west of the park entrance. Mm-hmm. Right. So I go I go uh, west for an hour. 
and I don't hit anything. So then I have to double back and go east for an hour. So by the time someone picks me up, uh, it's a deputy sheriff, uh, it's 3 o'clock in the morning, and some trucker has called in and said, there's some crazy person out here trying to – I was literally <laughs> holding up money, you know. It's like, please stop. You know? <laughs> and oh, this guy man. took me back to the park. The park rangers, they woke them up. They took me back to my car. They had broken into my car and found my briefcase that had my passport and everything, and they had called my number back in Dallas to leave a message. to yeah. like, hey, call the park office, you know. And, uh, yeah, so it was like a real deal. <laughs> so, so you're out there in the middle of the night. You've only got a little bit of water. Are you panicking at all? I mean, do you feel like, oh, shit, I'm in this now. I'm actually no, I lost. I, I was doing a lot of thinking. <laughs> uh. <laughs> but I, I knew that eventually I could, I could make it to the highway. Mm. And then after the ranger, you know, got me, they said, well, usually when people get lost, they just hunker down for the night and sleep on a, you know, next to a dune or something. Yeah. And I was like. I never even thought of that. You know, I guess I just thought, you know, I'll just make it back to my car and everything will be fine. You know? Right. And they then close that place down at night. So even if I did make it back to my car, I'd have to wake somebody up to let me out. Yeah. Right. See, I'm thinking so, like at some point you're you're going, all right, if I'm here for three days, I have to start eating my own toes. Is that how? Right, right. <laughs> how well, I survive? You know, it's, it's, right, it's right next to the missile range, right? So yeah, yeah. There are still unexploded ordnance out there you know like from the 40s or whatever God, you know? right right you know so all that's going through your mind and uh uh man and so every time the discovery channel or somebody would put on one of those uh, series about people that go out for the afternoon and then get lost and someone dies you know uh-huh. uh that happens a lot and so ever since then i'm really aware that 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 that's a thing, you know. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, when you know you're going to be out someplace where that's really super remote, I mean, do you bring extra supplies now? Do you are you prepared for that sort well, of eventuality? You know, it, it, you know I, it's not really that remote. It's it's not you know it's only like ten miles out of Alamogordo, and uh, yeah. and it's and I've been there plenty of times, so it's not like I don't know the place. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I just didn't know it well enough to know that I wasn't going to hit the road the way I was heading. You know. Yeah. yeah. And, and that this is all pre GPS, so every time I've been out there since then. I just take the GPS, and it's a literal lifesaver. You know, you can find your way exactly back to where your tent is or your car mm-hmm. or whatever. And, you know, it's so funny because I happened in 1994. I'm in an, a job interview in 2004. Yeah. And in the middle of this job interview, the guy goes, so what was it like being lost at White Sands? <laughs> <laughs> how, well, how the fuck yeah. did he know? How did he know about well, getting lost? Well, he just Googled me, you know, oh, and the National Park Service lists, <laughs> you know, things like missing hikers and stuff. They have reports on these things, right? I'm going to go have to see this. I'm going to have to well, do that Google I, search. I think it's been, I think they wiped those after a certain oh, okay. amount of time. Oh, okay, gotcha. And this guy in this interview, his deal was, uh, his deal was um, search and rescue. He's one of those mm-hmm. nerds that that's what he does on the weekend, you know. And <laughs> but that really you know, it was great because it was yeah. an icebreaker, you know. I was like, oh, oh yeah, totally. Yeah, I was lost <laughs> and almost left for dead. So yeah, yeah. yeah so hire me because <laughs> hire I me. know what it's like to survive. I know? have survival <laughs> skills. You should never yeah, worry exactly. if I'm around. I can save the entire company. I can feed them tiny bottles of Evian. Uh, so are you officially retired from your day job now? I mean, it seems like whenever you're oh, out, yeah. they pull you back in. It's, well, <laughs> but it I sounds like this about, is permanent. Back in March, yeah. uh, or actually this whole process started about a year ago, I applied for a job with the city of Greensboro, mm-hmm. which is a, you know, that's a metro area of about a million people. It's a pretty good size area. You know? Yeah, yeah. Um, well, maybe not that much. It's it's definitely in the 600,000 plus 
with Greensboro and Winston Salem, mm-hmm. you know, that whole triad area. Oh yeah. And um, I was a little wary about it, but then it, you know I thought, well, it's only 25 miles away, and it's with the city government, so it's probably not going to be like a startup company where they're all you know 25 year old know-it-alls running around and mm-hmm. and it's all just really intense and all that and um so i got through the whole interview process physical and all this stuff they have great benefits they even have a pension you know i think wow if i can just yeah, knock this out for five years i can you know have that and got in there and discovered my boss was a crazy person <laughs> he just was just i mean uh, just really he's british so that was a that was a tip-off from I mean, I've worked with Brits before, you know. <laughs> but this guy was just super anal retentive and mm. uh, just the most amazing attention to crap little things that nobody cares about. And, oh, yeah. And he and I had some, you know, we I got on, right, and I spent like two, three days just getting the laptop and all that stuff. But then it was like work from home because COVID had hit. Oh, right. And there was City Hall, right? And uh, the building I worked in, was it looked like something out of Logan's Run. It was that... Um, there's a style of architecture that just is that depressing, giant, monolithic, uh, <laughs> concrete building kind of thing. A very Soviet, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, and he just, we had several run-ins on Skype. He wouldn't talk on the phone because he had a hearing problem. And so you would try to, I hate communicating by chat in my work. Yeah. It's okay for little things, but to have a conversation is just maddening. Yeah, uh, and and we just had these. Uh, you know, I had one particular day where I pulled a na- nine-hour day, and I come in the next morning, and before before nine o'clock the next day, he's reaming me for not doing this and this and this. When everybody else on the team had said, "Just don't worry about that. You can do that tomorrow." Jesus. And uh, and he just kept throwing things at me, and I was like, "Yes, sir, whatever." And then and then and I was just getting. I I have a tendency to get sort of you know, anxiety attacks. Yeah. And I don't know if that was hap- what was happening, but I just kind of stood back from this conversation and thought to myself, every day can't be like this. You know, <laughs> well, I can't yeah. just, I mean, it's, I can't be like this every day. And, and it's so gotta I be just, hard too, where you're working so much on your own, where you're kind of doing your own thing at the same time. And that temptation to want oh, to well. do your own thing rather than have to deal with well, but see, some other I middle mean, manager somewhere. That's it's it is a matter of self discipline to work from home. Mm-hmm. But I've I've found working from home is actually more challenging because you have to show your you, you know you have to show your work every day. You oh yeah, to, you know just showing up isn't enough, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so that wasn't really a problem, but it was just this whole thing of of like. I've okay. I've been down this road with working for crazy programmer types who just have no social skills at all, mm-hmm. and I'm just not going to do this again. You know, I just I, I so I just texted him. I, I this is I can see this isn't going to work. Yeah, I'll bring the laptop and the badge back. Thanks for the opportunity, and that was it. So, what's the biggest challenge you have in terms of working from home? Because I, I found that when I first started working from home, was this, my God, it had to have been 1999, maybe, I started working for myself. I found that initially, maybe for the first year, I mean, it took a long time. It was a hell of a learning curve where I started to figure out that, no, I can't sit around in my pajamas until one o'clock in the afternoon. I actually have to get up and do something at a regular time, yeah. uh, like people who go to work at a job. You know, that was the well, biggest challenge for me initially. You know, it's, I think it's easier if you've already been like seasoned in a job and you kind of know, like if your boss is crazy and things like that. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. You kind of, you know, you kind of know those little things about how to actually do the job mm. and you can just do it from a different place. But if you're starting a brand new job, 
that I think that's an additional challenge because uh, this whole situation with me and this guy would never have happened if I was in person. Yeah. Because all the little cues that you give when you're physically in the same room with someone can, you know, sort of disperse. And also he would know that I had put in a solid effort the day before. He he was he had no idea what I had done the the previous day and he had he just was launching into me and I don't think that would have happened you know, in just a regular office environment. But mm-hmm. it also reminded me that when I did retire, that wasn't the plan. It wasn't the plan to, guy, like, find another cubicle job and just be a code monkey again. The plan was to, to hey, I've done this for 35 years. Try something else, you know. Try yeah. something that you really enjoy doing. And don't get bogged down in this pleasing, you know, a, a bunch of IT guys. Because it's it's always been a challenge for me because it was my second career you know, I used to be a radio disc jockey, and then you go from that to doing something that's really serious and structured <laughs> yeah. and everything. And right, and and so I never did, you know, really enjoy sort of the day to day work of it. You know, I, I there were projects on that I enjoyed and everything, but um, it, with the exception of when I was an American, because there I was working with a bunch of comedians, and they were just fantastically funny and smart. A lot of fun. A lot really of funny people running American Airlines, really. <laughs> yeah, I just happened to be in a group of guys that were there were ten of us, and I'm not kidding. Easily four of them could have made a living as stand up. They were that funny. Wow! Holy shit! And, Who would have known? And re- very talented musicians, you know. I'm and I got to go to Europe and work and and you know if you were um, like Jerry Seinfeld says, a, a guy with you know very. Um, uh, superficial a- aspirations towards the uh, opposite sex. <laughs> it, it was great in that aspect, you know. I mean, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and I was, I probably, you know, I was the biggest idiot as far as like not recognizing boundaries. <laughs> I mean, I didn't just, I didn't, you know, I wasn't, uh, you know, Matt Lauer or anything like that, but. Uh, you know, I had some education to get through. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Just like we all did, I think. And, mm-hmm. uh, but, you know, I, I think being there in a big company like that, I got it sooner. It was just sort of all diversity awareness and all that kind of stuff. I think that we just naturally got that before a lot of other businesses did because we were working with people from all over the world. Yeah, sure. And if you aspire to be cosmopolitan, there's no better place to be. Yeah. And what was great about that was like, uh, like I was in business, I was on business, um, in Paris and it was my second trip there, but it was on a completely unrelated thing to the first trip. Mm-hmm. And I just happened to notice wow, this neighborhood I'm in, I realized that our office is just a couple blocks over this way. So I just duck in and you just flash your, you know, ID and they let you use their computers in the office and whatever, you know, and these people don't know you, but you're, you know, you're part of the, the club and here you are. 6,000 miles from home, and it's just like no big deal. Were they, know, were they I, funny in Paris, too? <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. well, you know, well, yeah, we did have a couple of interesting guys there. <laughs> okay, you know? I, I'm just I, kidding. Yeah, I just it, let, it yeah. Was, yeah and, uh, and, in, and in London, the London office, by the time I even worked in the London office, I already knew half the people there because they had been in Dallas all these times. Mm. So the very first time I went there, I got on the tube and – Took the took it by myself to the office and went in and oh there's so and so and so and so and I know all these guys and it was just it was great it yeah. was just that was fabulous so you go from some experience like that to some little shit place in the middle of nowhere where people <laughs> you know I mean you know they subscribe to all the Trump crap and everything yeah, and just fuck. go around with their flags in the trucks and everything it's just like this is not fair I didn't go through all of this to end up here right. <laughs> 
Well, you know, so thank God for the internet. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and and speaking of Trump, I have a suggestion for a song parody for you. Should I tell you now or should I tweet it at you? That's a big question. We did that song with the, uh, the, um, we did Diaper Dawn to uh, Big Bad John. And it was then amazing. It was only yeah. after we did that that I thought, oh, wow, Delta Dawn. And then, you know, I started getting all the Delta Dawn requests. Right. I mentioned it to Mary. And, and I, I told her, I said, you know, Delta Dawn is too good a song to waste on this. You know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then when we did the uh, uh, Pardons Around the Christmas Tree. <laughs> Another good um, one, yeah. Yeah, somebody said that they thought that I would do pardon party by rick nelson i'm like wow that's really good that's actually that's actually a good idea oh wow so someone actually made it through your firewall to get to an actual it thing it happens <laughs> you know what happens like okay like okay the the i want a papadopoulos for christmas that was somebody else's idea and when that when they suggested that to me i thought okay i can tell this guy to go to hell <laughs> yeah or i or I can do it before somebody else does it. And that was what was in my head was like, you got to do this because if you don't, someone else is going to do it. So you might as well, you know. Yeah. Well, see what you've done, Mike. Now you're going to get a ton of requests. See, I was right. trying right. to I was trying to flag people away. Like, don't ask Mike for a song request. Yeah. I, You know, nothing. It's, uh, it's like talking to Trump supporters. Nothing works. So just don't worry about it. Well, see, I, I really admire how you and, in fact, Jen Kirkman, for that matter, handle your Twitter replies. I mean... What are your what are some of your pet peeves along those lines? I mean, just to, to start the ball rolling here, my biggest oh. pet peeve on Twitter is when I compare a Republican or some other villain to something else, and then all the replies are, well, apologies to someone else. You know, the apologies to X or whoever the uh, you know metaphor is. Right, you know, because that's that other what... person was not like this. I got that on that Big Bad John song. Oh, someone said, I looked this up, and the original song was about a hero that saved a bunch of miners. <laughs> Trump would never do that. You know, <laughs> oh man, yeah. yeah. And th- there yeah. was another one today that I noticed too, where um, someone said, uh, uh, "Oh yeah, I think you tweeted about that guy from uh, Gabriel Sterling from Georgia who did that rave yeah. out yesterday, that amazing rant at Donald Trump." It was sort of like our "Have you left no decency, sir?" kind of moment for Donald Trump. Right. And then uh, you tweeted that out, and someone said, "Oh, too bad he hasn't been outraged for the last four years." Right. And then you're like, right. and the, "Stop yeah. it, Jesus!" And, and I got that in the chat room today right. too. The list, all the other things they didn't get outraged about. Right, right, and right. Some right. of them are just ridiculous. You know, like okay, he's not going to get outraged about all that stuff because he's not a Democrat. You know, mm. he he is a Republican, and yeah, I give you that. But here's the deal: he made he woke a lot of people up with that statement. Yeah. And that's what we want. You know, so don't get on your high horse and be all purist about it and everything. Well, if he doesn't do everything exactly the way I want him to, I I don't think it's, you know, I am not going to listen to him. Like, well, fine. <laughs> Nobody cares if you're listening to him. It's all those goobers out there, you know. They're the ones that are important because you need those people to stop, to wake up. Yeah. And, if the, if it, and, the, and, and it, unfortunately... It takes a Republican to wake them up sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, and yeah. they just don't get that. They just like, ugh, ugh. Well, you know, and it's not so much that thought that bothers me that that you get that every time, every time a Republican ever says anything that's halfway decent or something. Um, it's not so much that thought. It's the it's the it's the they don't realize that this is a Pavlov's dog reaction and it happens yeah. every single time. Mm-hmm. And that and a lot of the things that are my pet peeves aren't so much the thought themselves. It's just they don't realize 
that yes, we've we've heard this a million times. Can you think of anything original to say? Yeah, yeah. Something I've been noticing over the past few years that everyone seems to go to those stock replies, just picking them well, off the well, shelf again, and saying, is, "Let's let's try this one." No, it's it's Pavlov's dog. I mean, yeah. and you get this across the spectrum uh, in like you know. I just saw a story about Obama and how he said that we shouldn't say uh, defund the police. You know. Mm-hmm. And and some Republican guy said, well, now you say that. And I was like, well, you know, he always said that. Actually, yeah, that's not yeah. a good example because he's actually responding to what Obama actually said. But m- more often than not, it's just here's a picture of Obama and it says Obama and I'm going to say my Obama thing. Now, <laughs> you know, or, you know, here's a picture of this and mm-hmm. I'm going to give my stock response to this. That's right. And. And that thing that we just mentioned with the the Republican guy in Georgia, it's just in that category of like, I, yes, we've heard this. I yeah, and that's the problem with having you know, and I you know, I, I, you, know you have a, a gazillion followers, and I have a, a fairly decent following, so it's yeah. kind of like, um, it's you know, it's humble bragging to say that you got twenty thousand people out there. So anytime you say something, and you're going to get those canned Pavlovian responses, you're going to get hundreds of them, mm-hmm. and. And the people who are saying those things, they're not in that boat, you know. Right. They, you know, they don't know what it's like to get that. And so whenever I sort of get off the deep end and get mad about it, then they just calm down. What's wrong with you? <laughs> it's like, uh, you don't understand. I'm going crazy. Well, I mean, the, the admirable thing about that is a lot of people would just pander to those kind of responses because you want the reach. You want the following, right? You want right. the adulation. But I like the concept of saying, you know what? This is annoying. Please stop doing this. It's like you're taking a, a shot in the head for uh, the greater good, Mike. I think that's what you're doing. You're kind of stepping yeah. into the pitch and, and taking again, one for the team it's it's it's, <laughs> it's really never anything they're saying it's just the idea that what you did was you picked up a phrase yeah. from something i said and you're riffing on that phrase it's like when i post a you know where i post a song and i you know i don't put full videos together because it's a shit ton of work and the thing about my stuff is i want to get it out fast mm-hmm. and so i'll always just slam a picture up there and maybe if i have time i'll put the lyrics in the thing yeah uh but when people get on my YouTube channel and all they do is comment about the picture. Oh, you know, shit. That, yeah. That drives me crazy. <laughs> and you right. get it, too. Yeah. You get it, too, when you post something, like your latest salon or whatever it is, and you just get all these comments about the picture. Oh, yeah, And you yeah. just want to say, fuck you. The picture is just there. You know? It's like, I, you know, we put a lot of work into this, and there's more of this than a friggin' picture. Yeah, exactly. Or, yeah, I mean, one of the things that I'm surprised I didn't list this as my biggest pet peeve in terms of replies, in terms of comments, it's when people don't read the article and then comment about something as if I didn't include it in the article but which I actually did include in the article. So I have to go out and say, please read the article because I did comment on this thing. But see, ultimately, see what happens when Trump gets voted out of office. We can now finally take the time to talk about the really important issues. Right, Mike? Uh, Well, you know... You know, it, I, it, you just reminded me, we did that song early on the COVID thing. We mm-hmm. did uh, Bacterial Girl to Material Girl. Oh, know? right, right. A- and so, obviously, COVID is a virus. It's not a bacteria. Mm. So, in, <laughs> you know, in the song, in in while the lyrics are playing on the screen and everything, uh, I, like, put in there, by the way, we know it's not a bacteria. It's a virus. You know, please hold your comments or something. Yeah, I actually put yeah. that in the lyrics, you know? Oh, yeah. And sure enough, people are like, 
well, you know, it, it's, it's a virus. And like, okay, thank you. Now, thank you, Dr. Salk. <laughs> thank you, Mr. Immunologist. I appreciate it. Oh, and let me, let me give you a bit of advice here, Mike. Don't ever confuse per capita with per million. If you use per capita generically, someone oh. is going to call you on it. If not one person... A dozen people will call you, you know, on it because I made so that mistake myself. I mean, the, the flip side of that is, like, the Arecibo Observatory collapsed, yeah. and I'm a big space nerd, and I became aware of that radio telescope in Puerto Rico mm-hmm. on, um, because of Cosmos and Carl Sagan in 1980. And I was just always mesmerized by this, you know. And uh, so I post something about it, and one person was an intern there. Another person's dad was a was a astronomer there mm-hmm. and another person was um part of the contracting team that built it you know and so that's the flip side of it you got people out there that have those kind of connections and you're like wow yeah you know that's really cool you mm-hmm. know? So. right and and that's you're really interested in uh in space exploration and the the space program the early space program uh, in the 60s and 70s uh, how did you initially get introduced to all of that? I mean, what was sort of the spark that drove you toward that as a well? As I was born in 1954. Well, that know? that helps, yeah. Yeah, because I mean, I'm serious. You know, if you're in that class, uh, by the time you hit first grade, we've already had the International Geophysical Year. My first year of school when I was a first grader was, you know, Shepard and Glenn, mm-hmm. and and everything was was all about. You got to learn. We have to learn math and science, and the space race is really important. Yeah. And I had a fifth grade teacher. She would bring in a TV, and we would watch all the launches of all the Gemini missions. And I would sit there and draw them, you know. And I remember in sixth grade, the principal coming into our class and explaining to us how lunar orbit rendezvous worked, and and thinking, "Wow, this is really cool," yeah. you know. <laughs> right. And so I just, you know, I was a big geek. I wrote to NASA and asked for you know, pictures, and they sent me back this big packet full of 8x10s and stuff. Oh, and, wow. And, and when we, um, when we uh, every year, uh, one of us, I had two sisters, and that was a family, you know, three kids. Mm-hmm. Every year, one of us would pick the vacation destination. So in 1969, it was my turn to pick the, de- so I chose Houston. So we could go down there and visit the Space Center. We were there the day before the launch of Apollo 11. Oh, holy and, shit. And there's a picture of me and my sister standing in, in front of the limb mock-up in front of the press building, which, you know, 15 years later I'm working in, which is mm-hmm. weird. Um, so, yeah, that's just – I was just always cut out for that. And, you know, 2001 actually veered me off of the idea of wanting to have something to do with the space program into wanting to make movies. <laughs> Really? Um, so. I had no idea about it. I didn't know that you were uh, into that. Certainly the photography side of things, but certainly not... Well, yeah, uh, the, pho- the photography came out of the filmmaking thing because when I was in high school, we, we made... Me and my two best friends, we, we went around making films mm-hmm. with Super 8 cameras and everything. I went out and shot time-lapse sunrises and things, and I had all these ideas for different things I wanted to make movies out of. Yeah. Um, and so I... I I enrolled, I, I gave up on the idea of engineering, and I enrolled in radio TV film at Oklahoma State with the idea of, you know, figuring out how to make films and maybe be a documentary filmmaker. That was my idea. It was like, maybe I'll do that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but then then there's this radio station there, 
and and I had <laughs> one of my best friends growing up was already working on the radio when he was 18, and he gave me a job uh, working weekends at a radio station, and I was like, oh, and I was always, always into music, you know. So here's this radio station that's not only a campus radio station, it's a good campus radio station. Mm-hmm. And it's very well thought out, very well programmed, very plugged in to the scene and radio across the whole country. And plus there's the girls, you know? Yeah, <laughs> so, sure. So, so I never even took one film class when I was wow. Oklahoma State. I got sucked into this radio station and I got sucked into working another radio station on the side to, to where I was doing so much radio during the week that my grades just completely went to shit and I was missing classes and stuff and I dropped out. Uh, so, Are the music you know. videos, I mean, speaking of your filmmaking, I mean, are the music video versions of your song parodies, is that a, a relatively new thing that you've started or have you always uh, tried to do some sort of visual thing with some of your favorite tracks? Well, we've only done two live action videos. Yeah. And both of them have been in the past year because I have the time for it now. You know? oh, so, so yeah, so it is a new phenomenon where you're... Yeah, putting those I mean, things together. Just just putting together something that has the lyrics on it mm-hmm. and it's just a still picture. Just doing that is an additional two hours on top of whatever it took you to do the audio. Oh, yeah. And, us- and usually the audio is at least two hours. So, you know, I just don't bother with it because so much of this has no shelf life. And also, I don't honestly, I don't really care. <laughs> I, I don't care if I get 50,000 hits on something. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not doing this for m- making money or having, you know, being Randy Rainbow or anything like that. I just do it for the satisfaction of, of having a clever idea or something like that and just getting it out there yeah. for the time period that that idea has any shelf life. It's kind of like scratching an itch. Yeah. And I, you know, same way with the photography. I don't, you know, I just wanted to do it. I think that's the way people are that call themselves artists is they, they don't do things um, because they want to. They do it because they have to. Okay, we'll get back to our conversation with Rocky Mountain Mike here in just a second. But the holiday season is the one time of year we all get to indulge in our favorite traditions and feel like a kid again. And no matter what you celebrate, everybody shares in the spirit of giving, whether it's giving gifts to our favorite people or spreading cheer to everyone around you. This year, give yourself and the ones you love an opportunity to look as young as the season makes you feel with Plexiderm. Plexiderm is a clinically studied serum that gives your appearance the right kind of changes. Visibly reduce wrinkles, fine lines, and even under eye bags in just minutes. Plexiderm even works on laugh lines, number 11s, and crow's feet too. Take up to 10 years off your appearance in less than 10 minutes. The results are going to last for hours so you can relax surrounded by loved ones knowing you're always looking your best. Even better, Plexiderm doesn't involve any visits to a surgeon, and it's cheaper than a round of hot cocos for you and your loved ones. You can try a six-application trial pack for just $14.95 with free shipping when you visit buyplx.com slash sexyliberal or call 800-685-1292 and say the code sexyliberal. This order also comes with free shipping and a 30-day money-back guarantee. Make those wrinkles, lines, and under-eye bags disappear with Plexiderm. Visit buyplx.com slash sexyliberal or call 800-685-1292 and say the code sexyliberal at checkout. Thank you. The Bob Seska Show. Yeah, and there's, there's a certain kind of wiring that I think you have that a lot of us don't have who work in some sort of creative field and that's the ability to take a topic and then marry that with some reference to a song i mean how do you how do you create that linkage between the topic and the song itself does it just occur to you or do you go to sort of a rhyming dictionary a website or something like that all that stuff just whatever i mean like the uh this thing the 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 jimmy dean song Mm -hmm. uh i literally thought of that in my sleep (laughs) wow 
You know, because <laughs> I mean, I don't think I ever would have landed on the Budweiser commercial from the '70s as the basis for Buzz's jingle. I mean, how did that one come together? I think it was maybe a year and a half ago. I said, Mike, if you ever came up with an idea for a Buzz jingle, let me know. That'd be great. And I, there was no, I didn't apply. I don't think I applied any pressure along those lines. I wasn't demanding it or anything like that. But I, I kind of suggested it, and I thought to myself, you know what? Because, because you had written back and you had said. Well, if you have any ideas along those lines, let me know. And I, for a year and a half, literally, until I received the actual thing in my email, I'm going, Jesus, what the hell would I do for a buzz jingle? Like, what yeah, song? I, was, and- I, I, went, I came back to it many times, yeah. and I had an idea of what I would do with it. Um, but none of them revolved around any song that says buzz. <laughs> right, right. I mean, the thing that I thought of is, is from Jesus Christ Superstar. There's that what, what's, what's the, buzz the buzz thing. Oh, that's but that was, Why didn't I think of that? Well, that was actually, you know what? I thought of that too, but it was actually Buzz's jingle on the Don and Mike show. And oh, when was, I when, yeah. when Buzz first came on my show as my Tuesday co-host, I said, do you want to do the what's the buzz thing that Don used to do? And before I even got the sentence out of my mouth, Buzz was like, no, 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 we're not going to do that. So oh, I'm great. glad you didn't land on that one. So yeah, that no was kidding. kind of a relief. That would have been a big waste of time. Yeah, no, yeah. The only thing I had was uh, getting back to Apollo <clears throat> in space was, you know, Nixon's phone call to uh, Neil. He goes, hello, Neil and Buzz. Oh, <laughs> uh, right, then, yeah. So I was going to take that. Uh-huh. And, uh, and I, I don't remember if I had any other ideas, but it was a real tough one. I just... And the Budweiser thing, we'd already done that. We did that for Mitt Romney in 2012. That oh, was that's the first right. Thing yeah. Mary, that was the first thing Mary ever worked with me on. Uh, and, and I did the bed for that on my Kurzweil, uh, you know, um, synthesizer. Yeah. I was really proud of it because we perfectly mimicked the original... Uh, you know, jingle bed. Oh, see, that's um, see now that's a detail that I, I don't think I've mentioned on the show yet, and I, I feel bad that I haven't. That the music was uh, recorded by you. I mean, that's all. Yeah. That's all you. That's all you. Yeah, and and that then was Mary when I was and Nancy in the Rocky Mountains. <laughs> and I've always been curious too, in terms of your production process. Uh, speaking of Mary, your production process dealing with uh, getting her tracks recorded, and then yeah. for this Budweiser, for this Buzz Burbank thing, uh, you actually had someone else, uh, Nancy in Ann Arbor. Is that is that yeah, Mary's Nancy's, friend or sister? Nancy's Mary's friend, and okay. she just happened to be there at her house, and so uh, she's sung with us on a few things just because she happens to be around, you know, and wants mm-hmm. to get involved. And I, you know, I want to fatten those jingles up as much as possible, especially one like that that that's got this big chorus. Oh it. yeah, so yeah. You want as many different voices as you can in there. Mm-hmm. Um, and we did that for um, we did that for Fugelsang's uh, Jesus Christ Superstar jingle and. Um, and also that American Airlines jingle, the, uh, you know, the uh, transvaginal airline. Uh, we had seven <laughs> yes. different singers on that one. And mm-hmm. I think the Budweiser one, not on the Buzz one, but the original one we did, we had, I think, six or seven singers. Yeah. And I was I was getting people from all over the country to, hey, you got to do this. You know, this will really be great. And well, that's incredible. I, and I don't really, honestly, don't have that much energy anymore. <laughs> it's not really... <laughs> You know, if I can get away with not doing that, I will because mm-hmm. it's logistically. And that's the thing about Mary. That's what makes her so great is she has this background where not only does she sing the parts and everything, and she can do all these different voices and stuff. She, I mean, she's just rocking around the Christmas tree and she puts the cackles and everything and just yeah. the right, you know, emphasis on the right stuff. Um, but yeah, she, I mean, also, she's not only a great singer, but she's also funny. She she has the ability yeah, to make oh, her yeah. part and funny. She does voice which is great. work too yeah, with yeah. me too. You know. 
And she, oh, we had this bit called A Place for Don, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and she thought of that idea. Yeah, um, wow. So, uh, you know, that's and that's a great idea. So she's very funny. Yeah, oh, yeah, she's yeah. hilarious. And she knows how to do harmonies. I don't have to tell her, hey, uh, you know, it's got a three-part background on this, and you got to sing this note on this and this. She just knows that stuff automatically. She, that's what, so that is her great you know, gigantic contribution to this whole thing is, you know, is that she automatically knows how to do the harmonies and she goes ahead and gives me all those tracks and she's just amazing. That's and incredible. I, I owe her so much. So how do you do that? Do you do you put together sort of a scratch track and send her um, yeah, the, just I'll the send basic her the music? and a backing track of uh-huh. whatever, you know, wh- however I manage to come up with a backing track. Sometimes I'll do it myself. Sometimes I'll use a karaoke track. Sometimes I'll mix the karaoke track with the original and also me with that mm-hmm. you know sometimes we'll put them all three together but whatever it is i have i'll just say okay like yesterday i i called her like i don't know it was like seven o'clock yesterday last evening yeah i said hey we got to do um, we got to do pardons around the christmas tree and i and don't ask me where i got that mm-hmm. I just, it just popped into my head yeah you know and when it did pop into my head i was like okay this is one that's too good to not do like now yeah absolutely and and she usually, I can't catch her like when Rachel Maddow's on, <laughs> <laughs> but she actually pulled out all the stops yesterday to, to do that and sent me five different tracks. She, yeah. I had them, I sent her the lyrics and the bed and she had all the tracks back to me within an hour mm-hmm. and, and we had the whole thing wrapped up by about 10 o'clock last night, 11 at the latest. Oh, that's incredible. And you, yeah. you you mentioned to me too that you had uh, been up pretty late also doing a Stephanie Miller promo for I guess the yeah. new uh, the Christmas so weird, special. You yeah. listen to that. Mm-hmm. You listen to that promo. It doesn't sound like that took longer to do. <laughs> oh really? Oh, it always does. Yeah, it yeah. always does. But I mean, does it feel through... like? I mean, when you're doing the promos though, I mean, does it feel like putting on a comfortable old pair of slippers or something like that? Like it's no, something that you used it. to I do in radio. Doing that. <laughs> oh really? <laughs> I oh okay. Hate it so much. Yes, I do because it's so much work, and you know, like when multi-voice um, uh, sketch comedy kind of uh, bits, yeah. which I, you know, people go on and on about the songs like that's all I do, but. The sketch comedy is actually my favorite because it, I think it gives you more laughs per mm-hmm. bit than the, than the songs do. Sometimes the songs can be a little tedious. Yeah, yeah. But they catch people's attention better because they, you know, they knew the original, they liked the original, and so they'll listen to the song. But the sketch comedy bits are really my favorite, but they are logistically, you know, you got more voices. Mm, oh, you have yeah. To write out a script. You got to get sound effects and everything. You got to write music and everything. And it's the same with these promos. You got to go through and find, um, you know, little snippets of comedy that you can put in there that mm. are from the original, uh, you know, sexy liberal shows. And that's just hours and hours and hours of audio that you got to go through to find that. And then <laughs> yeah. you got to find the right music. And you got to, you know, in this case, I got to get music that's royalty free. So I got to go out and, and you know, scour the, the royalty free sites for uh, for music. And oh, sure. So putting one of those together just takes, it just takes for freaking ever. Yeah, I mean, do you, do you ever feel limited by the cast you can assemble where you've got this great idea and you're like, well, how the hell am I going to do that? How am I going to get this voice or that voice and put it all together? You know, that hasn't been a problem. I have so many people oh, wow. that, that, that just love doing this. Yeah, uh, I'm so lucky in that regard. I've got people standing in the wings that have been waiting for years for me to use them. <laughs> and I can't, I usually can't use them because... Because they don't understand, like, if I think of an idea, you need to come back with your tape, like, in an hour or two. Yeah. You know, or maybe a day at the most. 
but and most people just aren't set up to do that. They're just they they just don't know what that workflow is like. Hmm. But yeah, I've got these guys in Seattle that worked with me on the album, and they're just chomping at the bit to to do this stuff because they spend all their time doing these lame ass commercials that you hear on the radio. <laughs> And they don't like doing that. It's just mm. how they make you know make a buck. And they're great at voice actors and everything. They do a great job. But when something like this comes along, that's that's hopefully funny and also is a commentary on you know social things of the day. They just love it, and they just they will bend over backwards to help me. How'd you hook up with Richard Hensel? Um, because I, I don't think a lot of Stephanie Miller show listeners and, and maybe even listeners on my show too understand what kind of legend he is as far as doing uh, voices. Yeah. I mean, he is instantly recognizable. Well, and he's a he's a stage actor too. Yeah, and he's been he's been playing Mark Twain since he was a teenager. Jesus, and doing Mark Twain shows. Uh, he's just a genius when it comes to um, reading and and you know just dramatic reading and things yeah, like that. Yeah. Uh, he's just you know, and he's nuts. He's completely nuts, <laughs> <laughs> and that that really helps. Hi, know? Richard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, how did you end up hooking up with him? When, when did you first uh, bump uh, into Richard? You know, the um, I remember seeing him in the chat room in the old steam powered chat room of Stephanie Miller's first. Uh, first couple of chat rooms that she had um and and i remember him saying that he was you know in groundhog day and and thinking oh that's kind of cool and yeah. didn't really think that much of it but it, i don't think it was until uh a, the 2011 chicago sexy liberal show mm -hmm. uh, a bunch of us had agreed to um have dinner beforehand uh and we all met uh, not far from the show and all sat down. And I think that was the first time I met Richard in person. Hmm. And I don't think that I think at that point we still had not worked together. But it was right after that, I think, that we started doing stuff. You mentioned Groundhog Day. He is all over that movie because he's one of the two DJs on the clock radio, right? It's, right. I guess, him and Harold Ramis who are the DJs who are playing that uh, Sonny and Cher song. No, it's not Harold Ramis. No, no, it's not Harold Ramis. Oh, it's not Harold Ramis. I always thought it was no, Ramis. No. It's this other guy. I think his name is Scott something. Huh. And, you know, they, they re-upped that. Uh, they, they did that Jeep Cherokee ad for uh, Groundhog Day that had Bill Murray in it. Yeah. And it has the guy who plays Ned Ryerson. Um Oh man, that actor! Uh, oh right, right. The, yeah, the character actor. Um, I can't. Oh, uh, Stephen Tobolowski. Tobolowski or something. Tobolowski. Like yeah, yeah. yeah. And he's actually um, my friend Jeff Hoyt that I went to college with and worked at that college radio station. He's on Vashon Island in Puget Sound, and that's where I get all the Seattle people from is through Jeff. And and he has been on Jeff's show up there and is a neighbor. I think he lives on Bashan Island. Oh, wow. Anyway, all those people are in this ad, and uh, they want to get the original team. And unfortunately, um, the other guy that, that, uh, that Richard worked with was, um, you know, was like in the hospital. He was very sick, and he couldn't do it. Hmm. So, um, so they got... Oh, I forgot. I forgot how that went. I think they only used Richard, but Steve Dahl wanted to do it. Oh, yeah. I know Steve Dahl. And, yeah. and he had like given an ultimatum to uh, the producers of that commercial <laughs> that either he was on it or something was going to happen. I forgot. I, yeah. I don't know the details, but basically they told him to get lost. <laughs> and maybe he, is, maybe he is on it. I'm a little fuzzy on the story. Richard can give you the lowdown. I and agree. he's also the Keebler elf. 
Oh, he's that's right. Yeah, holy shit. And you know what? That's not even on his uh, Wikipedia page, I think. I don't think that's in the... Uh, oh, well, that's page. a relatively new thing that's been oh, it is. like the past two or three years. Uh, I remember watching a football game uh, not too long ago, a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. And, or what, maybe it was baseball. Uh-huh. And and he, you know, all of a sudden comes on. And like, oh, wow, there's Richard. You know, <laughs> Holy shit. So have you been accosted by uh, Don Henley lately? Has there been any run-ins <laughs> against Don Henley? So I guess I have to explain the background on the, yeah, yeah. this. You know, when the black guy did it uh, to the tune of In a New York Minute. <laughs> right. And, uh, and I did two minutes of the song. Mm-hmm. I did, you know, I did a couple of verses and then did the, did the chorus. And like an idiot, I put a parody of when the, you know, of uh, in a New York minute by Don Henley. And because I put that in the title, <laughs> his little band of people, he yeah. hires, he has 60 people Holy that work shit. 40 hours a week each that just go out there and look for people stealing Eagles songs on the <laughs> God no. damn it, really. And if I had not put the original title in there, they, it would have never been on their radar. Yeah, yeah. And so I get this, um, how did that work? Uh, I don't know if YouTube sent me something, but somebody just mentioned that it wasn't there anymore. Mm-hmm. And then I click on the link and it says it's been removed by the copyright owner. Oh, yeah, and, yeah. And I didn't know all that stuff about Don Henley at the time. I was on vacation in Colorado with my girlfriend and I saw that and I thought, holy shit, he's going to come after me now. <laughs> Yeah, at some point, it's like a rite of passage. If you put anything online, at some point, Don Henley's going to come after you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I, I the other day, YouTube went down for like a half an hour or two hours or whatever it was. <laughs> oh, one night, yeah. And I tweeted, I said, Don Henley won. You know. <laughs> that, was the be- that was the tweet of the day, that day. That was great. But, uh, yeah, I didn't know all this until uh, there's this guy out there. I don't know if you've ever heard of Steve Beato. Oh, yeah, Jeff, yeah, yeah. Jeff oh, is it Jeff Biano? No, it's uh, Rick. I think it's Rick, Rick Biano. Biano. Yeah, yeah, he does yeah. a great uh, YouTube channel about music and rock and everything. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. And he's a producer and a writer and everything. He's mm-hmm. just fantastic musician. Yep. And he does these little bits, of, uh, these videos called what, what What Makes This Song Great. Right. And and he is frequently, you know, getting blocked and stuff for songs. You know, he'll play a snippet of a song, and if it's Led Zeppelin or somebody like that, there's like a few people that you just don't dare even play five seconds of their song because you'll get blocked. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Or you may get to where you can't have revenue on that, on that video. Mm-hmm. And so he... Um, explained this in a way I'd never heard before about the whole thing about Don Henley having all these people working for him. And he played a clip of Don Henley testifying before Congress about uh, YouTube creators versus the copyright owners and all that. And this is an ongoing thing with, with uh, Biano. Yeah. And, uh, and he later testified uh, for Cong- in front of Congress for the same thing. Like, there has to be a happy medium in here for YouTube creators to live with um, – you know, people who own copyrights in a way mm-hmm. that is just not ridiculous. A good example, he has the guy who played bass on Your Smiling Face with James Taylor mm-hmm. had a video about playing on that song, and it got blocked by YouTube. <laughs> That's unfucking believable I mean, there's no reason for that whatsoever. Look, I get if you're putting a full-length song up online somewhere yeah, for someone to download. Just parts of how the song is constructed and yeah. it's educational, you know? Right, what they and, call needle drops. I mean, that's basically what Beato is doing. He's just doing a needle drop to a certain part, like a guitar solo or something like that, and then he's getting all yeah, these well, takedown notices. He may play a little more of it than that, but it's, it's definitely not in the era of, I'm making money off your creation mm-hmm. because I just stole it and that's put right. it out there. Yeah, you know? yeah. Yeah, so it's, this it's, is something that 
I pay a lot of attention to because I, you know, I don't want to get in trouble. And uh, as far as I understand it, the the worst that I can really endure is that, you know, someone will just take the stuff down off of whatever platform mm-hmm. it's posted on. And it's sort of their responsibility, you know. Yeah. Um, well, I, I mean, know. here's a legitimate here's a legitimate takedown. Before I started playing indie music on my podcast, I was actually using, you know, actual pop music made by major labels. Buzz was also posting my show on his SoundCloud page. And to make a long story short, uh, about six months ago or so, he got that dreaded Don Henley takedown notice for literally all of the things that he posted on SoundCloud. But it was only because of my show, because I played New York Minute or something, you know, for 30 yeah. seconds out of a commercial break. Then he got the takedown notice. Had to take down every <laughs> every single copy of my show on, on SoundCloud, which I don't know if that's an endeavor. I don't know if that was time intensive to do it, but, you know, he ended up you know, having to face the wrath of Don Henley uh, because of something that I did. And what I was doing was legitimately not good. And so that was, I think, maybe Don Henley would have an argument as far as that goes. But if you're doing a song parody, if you're instructing people how to play All She Wants to Do is Dance on a drum machine or something like that, that shouldn't be a problem. I don't get why it is. It just seems like, He's going way overboard, and yeah, it's just the jihad. Know, I think this is just a thing where it hasn't matured enough to, to, yeah. to where that balance has happened. Uh, and you know, and the, the, you talk about uh, legitimate usage, but there was a thing. There was an instance with one of the sexy liberal promos where um, um, where Randy Rhodes was. She would just play her show on to YouTube. She would just mm-hmm. have a YouTube uh, version of her show every day. And in one of those shows, they played the Sexy Liberal promo, and I had put also Sprock Zarathustra, you know, the 2001 theme yeah. in there. Uh, and it and it literally was not more than <clears throat> three seconds of it, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm talking over it. And and uh, she gets a, uh, a letter from a lawyer that says they represent the estate of Ricard Strauss, Oh my God! Yeah, and that they had, and that she has to pay up two hundred bucks or whatever it was. I'm more concerned about that because there are people out there that that's how they make their living. Is just they're just uh, you know they're just copyright trolls, Mm -hmm. and those guys are not like they're worse than Henley actually, uh, because Henley all they're doing is taking it down. Yeah, yeah. and you know, and I think when you write a song and people are out there trying to make money off of it, yeah, you just you can't have that. That's mm-hmm. so I totally get that. Um, but that that was the first time I was aware of the uh, the lawyer troll thing. Yeah, and that's like a thing that you have to be concerned about mm-hmm. because that will go beyond whatever whatever you know medium it's being carried on. Yeah, and they'll come directly to you. <laughs> you know, so right. knock on wood, that hasn't happened. But Yeah, I mean, but we both come from broadcast radio, and at least in my experience on uh, morning radio and doing anything that's even remotely entertaining on the radio, I mean, we're always horking, you know, clips from movies, television shows. Uh, all the elements are based on someone else's work just by way of trying to create some kind of reference, some kind of familiar thing that the audience has maybe heard in their past. It's, oh, that's a funny way to use that thing well i think you know in the case of those those are all needle drops and the and the uh the 2001 music was a needle drop the difference is is that they know that if they send someone a scary letter that they will get a certain number of people Mm. cough up a check yeah 
you know, so I've never challenged anything. I've never been presented with that scary letter. Yeah, yeah, I know. Uh, but but it, it I do worry about that. And you know, and if if I have to pull all my song parodies, every one of them, um, I fine. That's fine with me. I'll just produce content where that's just not an issue. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I'm not making any money off. It. I've never made any money off of this. Mm-hmm. I had an album that went to number one, and we cleared the copyrights for the two songs that we used in that, uh, that we parodied in that album. And, um, you know, I lost money on that album. I lost Jesus. Because I had to pay all the people that contributed to it, and mm-hmm. I didn't want them to do this work and not get paid something. So I set up a scale of how I paid people, and it, as the math worked out versus the sales, yeah, I lost about a, a grand. Jesus. So I've never made any money off of this, and I, I don't really, this is not a career for me. Um, it's just, I've, it's always been just, you know, just do it for fun and, and it's nice to get the attention, and mm-hmm. and it's nice to get attention for things that you genuinely thought were good, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> as opposed to getting attention for stuff that you feel like you just farted out, and for mm-hmm. some reason it got popular. <laughs> right, right. Well, so you're totally up on this monolith story. So by way of a public service, Mike, I need you to explain to me what the fuck is going on with a monolith. Because it just hasn't way, been on my, my radar. Business, I know. We're talking about making money. My new business is Four Seasons, 50 State Total Landscaping, and Monolith Removal. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm doing my Buzz Burbank. Uh, <laughs> That's right. I feel like I should yeah. load up the rim shot sound yeah. effect that more, I have. More here. monolith mystery. Someone took the Grunten statue, a penis-shaped monolith in Germany, which I thought was a dick move. <laughs> I also like when I saw that tweet come down, I also like that you had to set it up in, in terms of what it actually is. Because if you just said the name of it, everyone would be like, well, yeah. what's that? Yeah. Did you see the picture of it? Yeah, the monolith. Oh, yeah, I've, I've seen the, the photograph of it. Giant penis, you know? Oh, no, I haven't seen I haven't seen that one, but I've seen the yeah. monolith. I just don't yeah, know. My, I mean, it's my just... girlfriend of all people sent that one to me just to make right. me feel even more <laughs> inadequate, you know? <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> but then the monolith went missing, didn't it? Someone took the monolith uh, away. Yeah, and only... a, of all people, uh, it's because of photographers that I <laughs> found out about it because uh-huh. uh, there was a photographer out there who was using drones to light it like yeah. this really weird lighting and everything. He was out there shooting it, and these four guys came along and just took it down. <laughs> and I I guarantee you that they were with the government, and they just didn't want to make a big deal out of it. Mm, and they right. played like someone took it out of there. Uh, but, you know, I I understand artwork. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of cool, but also I'm a big fan of, like, leaving natural places undisturbed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so kind of torn. So I got to ask you, uh, I don't know, have you seen the most recent episode of The Mandalorian? Oh, you know, I I was just about to say, we have to talk about The Mandalorian. Okay, good, good, good. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah, I listened to to, uh, whenever John came back from vacation, he and Chris talking about on his show. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I cannot do justice to the way that they're... That they're that they're analyzing the Mandalorian, but it just gets better and better and better. It's it does. Just, it awesome. really does. And it's oh, and it's definitely the best. And I love most Star Wars things, but this is the best of Star Wars. I think this maybe even tops The Empire Strikes Back, which is you know yeah, I think world renowned sure, as the I'm best not sure of the I would movies. Go that. Well, it's apples and oranges, really. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Um, it's really not fair to compare a series to a movie. No, that's true. Because yeah. in a in a series, you get more chances to develop your character and stuff. Mm-hmm. You get more familiar with the characters, and uh, it's a different experience. But yeah, I mean, 
what they John Favreau, man. I mean, I don't know what's going on in his head, but yeah. it's just he's a genius, you know, the, what they put together. And and you know, John and Chris mentioned this. That last episode is Kurosawa. Yeah, you know, it's it's ran. It's uh, every episode is like they had they had a uh, you know they had the Clint Eastwood. Uh, Spaghetti Western episode. <laughs> well, that's, I mean, that's, I think one of the successful things about The Mandalorian is it really hits on one of the central themes or one of the central concepts of the original movie, which is that it's really kind of a Western with some yeah. Kurosawa influences in there. Uh, it, it really borrows heavily from the Spaghetti Westerns and, and always has. I mean, right down to now in The Mandalorian, they even put in the sound effects of, of spurs uh, for yeah. when The Mandalorian <laughs> has his foot when he's walking, you hear the jangle of the spurs, even though he's not technically wearing spurs. So it's know, little man, details it's just, like that that I just... And I, this is, you know, I built this home theater in this house when I moved in here. Mm -hmm. I really didn't intend to, but once I got started on it, it just grew and grew, and I've got this kick-ass home theater, and it's so nice to be able to watch the Mandalorian yeah, in that yeah. setup. You know, I've even got the masks for the CinemaScope masking, so it's like you're in a real theater with a widescreen and everything. Oh, wow, yeah. And um, and we just, man, we just eat it up. Yeah. My girlfriend's not necessarily a big Star Wars fan, but mm -hmm. uh, she's really appreciated. And she gave me for Christmas, or for my birthday or whatever, um, I, it's too bad I can't show you this, it's a uh, snow globe. Oh, yeah, I saw with, it, yeah. Uh, with, with Baby Yoda, and mm -hmm. it says Mando's Little Helper on it. And it even plays... <laughs> That's nice. And now I oh, don't awesome. know how to make it stop. Great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's speaking of music, I, I love the music on the show too. Hand. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean what do you think what do you think of the name Grogu? Because there apparently there's a All bit right, of a controversy. <laughs> Did you just break the snow globe? Is that what happened? <laughs> no, I just uh, shoved it in the closet. Oh, okay, gotcha. So there's actually been two Baby Yoda controversies over the past couple of weeks. There was one with the eggs, which is one of the dumbest fucking things I've ever seen. It's just people bent yeah, out of shape. Why was that a controversy? You know, I don't know. I mean, it was very clear in the episode. In fact, I went back and watched it again. I have to watch every episode twice oh, at that least. they were unfertilized eggs? Yeah, they were unfertilized eggs. And it's, it was made clear in the dialogue in the first three minutes of the episode that they're just yeah. regular eggs. There's not abortions going on on the Mandalorian. <laughs> it's just not happening. Uh, but yeah, like Baby Yoda is the world's youngest abortionist or something. You know, it's just yeah. not, that's not yeah. what it is. And and of he's, course... He's it, the uh, Yoda Herm, uh, Kermit Gosling. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. But then the next controversy is um, Grogu, which uh, the most recent episode of The Mandalorian, they yeah, revealed why, why what his name you know, is. I, I watched, uh, I love these guys, uh, The uh, they used to do What the Flick, and now it's the... Uh, uh, Breakfast All Day podcast with uh, Alonso Duraldo and those guys. Yeah, um, and they were they were talking about how it was a stupid name. I'm like, come on, no, no. how can it be a stupid name? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, there's a there's a whole thing happening with Star Wars right now, and I could spend hours and hours and hours talking about this, Mike. But we're already running late. With Star Wars, people are resistant to whatever the newest thing is, and eventually, over time, that newest thing, once it begins to kind of metastasize into the zeitgeist, then people start to accept it. Like now. The prequels are getting another look. I think it was just like resistance to whatever was new. And so with Grogu, everyone was so used to calling the character the child or Baby Yoda most commonly. When Grogu came around, I was like, I don't know. I don't, I don't like it. I don't like it. Well, why don't you like it? 
So, I, but yeah. that's and there's again they, going they back. They address this in a recent Simpsons where they they have a Comic Con they're gone to, <laughs> and they get into the Comic Con right. and there's a special place where you can go to complain about Star Wars. <laughs> Perfect, 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 perfect. And see, I, I'm just at this point now, and I think it has to do a lot with uh, you know having to cover Donald Trump uh, throughout the course of a 12-hour day. I've been hesitant to talk about Star Wars or anything pop culture oriented that I really love online because I spend all day in shovel fights about Donald Trump. I don't want to have shovel fights about Baby Yoda or the plot line from Rise of Skywalker or whatever. I don't want to get into it because it's just... It, it's something I you love. Know what? I don't think I have that problem because my audience is so much older than yours. You know, I'm like I'm like a generation ahead of you. Yeah, yeah. And and people that follow me just generally don't. They just don't go down that path. They don't even yeah, bother. I, mean, I, like, I know oh, you're a big comic book freak, and and I think that's part of it. Yeah, is that that's just sort of your universe to begin with, mm-hmm. and so that's the price you're paying for. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, just going back to what we were saying earlier about replies on Twitter, I think there's an element of groupthink, especially when it comes to uh, some of these movies and some of these really uh, kind of pop culture touchstones like Star Wars, where people are extra critical. I mean, critical in ways that they're not critical of other movies, you know, where some of these, you know, like the fact that Rise of Skywalker has a rating on Rotten Tomatoes of whatever it is, it's a shitty rating. It's like 41% or something like that, which just doesn't, it's incomprehensible to me. I mean, how you can look at that movie and give it a four, because there are so many movies that are far, far worse. I mean, empirically worse that have a much better rating. And I just think that comes down to, well, everyone, everyone's saying it's bad. So I guess it's bad. You know, I think the last three are better than any Star Wars movies except for maybe the first and second. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I mean, I I loved Rise of Skywalker, but it's one of those things that I could never tweet, I love Rise of Skywalker on Twitter because then the entire rest of my day would be occupied with swatting down people's replies. I don't understand. I mean, they were complaining about eight uh, because that wasn't canon. Yeah. And actually, that they use that language in that Simpsons too. It's so great because comic book guy is <laughs> right. those people. I mean, yeah, it's just, exactly. he's that guy, you know. So perfect. And uh, so I don't know what the problem is with Skywalker. It, it, I don't get it. At, uh, I guess the fact that she was. Are we not supposed to spoil it here? <laughs> oh, I don't care. We're, these are all spoilers. Because, because yeah. Ray was the granddaughter of the emperor. I, mm. Was that the problem? You know. Yeah, there's a lot of people complaining about that, and I don't understand why they are. I mean, all I can think of is it's the curse of the new. Once again, because it's the newest thing, it's a new idea. I think it also has to do a lot, uh, or a lot to do with uh, the fact that online, especially on social media, a lot of people tie their online brand, their online image, online reputation to some of the opinions or forecasts they have about a forthcoming movie. So you say, here's what I think is going to happen in the next Star Wars movie. And then when it doesn't turn out that way, then that person has to criticize how it turned out because it's different than what they predicted. I get that when I when I publish a song and it's got a title that shares the same title with another song. Oh yeah, people, yeah. Oh, I thought it was going to be that song. I'm like, <laughs> okay, well it wasn't. You know, <laughs> I know well, it's not the same thing, but <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what? We could do a whole separate show about Star Wars, and maybe we're going to have to do that, Mike. Uh, I, I'm glad you brought out the Mandalorian because I most definitely wanted to talk about it. You know, yeah. I, and I the Queen's Gambit. We just finished that, and. Um, 
thank God for the Queen's Gambit. This like, mm-hmm. have you watched it? Oh yeah, it was wonderful. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, I mean, and it was like, and I told Stephanie, you need to be talking about this because this is the closest that we have to a shared American experience right now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and it's it just, it's around it, something positive too. Where's the you know the lion or what was it the uh, tiger? What was it the king? Tiger King? What was that documentary? I can't believe I'm forgetting the name of that thing with uh, Joe Exotic. I, what was that documentary? Yeah, I, didn't, I didn't. I didn't watch it. Yeah, either. I didn't watch it either. But I mean, that was the that was so negative and awful. I didn't want to go anywhere I'm, near I'm that. I'm holding one. off on the Reagan documentary because I just don't want to be depressed. <laughs> <laughs> We're about to start that one too. Uh, so yeah, but but uh, I, you know, I was late to the party. I'd actually canceled Netflix, and then when I heard mm. about the Queen's Gambit, I thought, well, let's give this a shot. Oh yeah. And then, oh my God, this. Yeah. I mean, I love Better Call all and this is right up there with it in terms yeah. of just character development storytelling mm-hmm. it was beautifully done and thank god we've got that in the mandalorian and and the few other little things we've got to get us through this yeah. but i wonder you know when are they going to run out <laughs> yeah i know i know i know when are they going to run out of ideas yeah i, I no, mean when are they going to run out of stuff that's produced because nobody can get together and make a movie oh that's yeah that's true but i think you know the good news is with the mandalorian they use that special I forget what it's called. It's called like the chamber the projection set up. Yeah, exactly. Where they've got these giant walls, like a circular room that has the LCD screens everywhere. And yeah, yeah. And so well, you I can have, actually I have a make... friend who's a, a you know a big NASA geek. He knows more about Apollo than anybody I know. Yeah, he's 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 a Republican in Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. But he's an old radio friend of mine, uh, but he's also a big Star Wars fan and. Um, just so, and he's also dirt poor, right? He has yeah, like yeah. no money. And just so he could watch The Mandalorian, I sprung for him a subscription for a couple of months just so he could watch that, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and, it, and it was worth it to me because I wanted to be able to talk to him about it, you know. Yeah. Uh, so I'm, I'm just. Yeah, and I got to tell you, just by way of as a, as a tag on the end of this Mandalorian conversation, um, I saw a drawing on Instagram that I saved and I have to repost on my own Instagram. <clears throat> it's a drawing of uh, Grogu, uh, formerly known as Baby Yoda, as an old Jedi with um, this uh, with a piece of the Mandalorian's armor on, and he's you know he's chanting or something. He's doing sort of a Jedi, Jedi kind of mantra, or, or you know he's in a trance of some sort. But it's it's old Baby Yoda. And and you mm-hmm. see the remnants of his association with the Mandalorian as part of his costume. And I got I got I couldn't believe it. I got choked up. I was like, oh, one day he's going to be like 800 years old, and the Mandalorian is going to be long gone. Everyone he interacts with in this series is going to be long gone. And I'm thinking in those terms, and I'm going, oh man, <laughs> so sad. That's how wrapped into these characters I've become. Oh. <laughs> yeah, <clears throat> yeah. I, I and I'm just. Uh... I'm a big fan of I you know I don't like to get wowed by special effects and stuff too much but yeah. that's another thing I like about it is it just doesn't go there you know mm-hmm. it does, it has great effects and everything but it doesn't make that sort of take over and that be yeah. the thing and yeah. the other thing I like about it recently is it's getting more and more empire stuff Oh, right. You know, yeah. And, 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 oh my God, Gus is in there. You know, like, <laughs> right. We, we get, we get Giancarlo Esposito mm-hmm. as the bad guy. I mean, you can't do better than that. Oh, yeah, yeah. They're, they're just, it's very obvious now that they're creating kind of a bridge between the original trilogy and the sequel trilogy. So we're getting a setup here in terms of how Snoke came about, how uh, maybe even Palpatine oh, yeah, was yeah. resurrected. Yeah, through cloning yeah, and so on. I mean, on. I'm not even thinking. 
thinking about that because I'm yeah. I'm I'm more I'm more getting off on just the, th- the throwbacks. Oh yeah, you know yeah. The, the the just the you know the stormtrooper. Okay, well check it out. You know, just little <laughs> yeah, things exactly. they throw in there. You know. Yeah. Well, there, there's the one episode from season one that, to me, that just captured me. I mean, it engrossed me, and it's the it's the one where uh, he's got to get the egg from the mudhorn uh, beast, and with the Jawas, and uh, they've got parts of and and uh, Quill is there as you know, yeah, p- yeah. played by Nick Nolte, and I I love that character. God, but I that, wonder, you know, this makes me think: Are we going to see C three PO at some point? You know, you know, we may even see Luke Skywalker because you got to check this out. This is something that I've noticed. And it's going all over Instagram right now. Um, there are pictures of the actor Sebastian Stan, who played the um, who played uh, oh shit in the Marvel movies. Well, he plays Marvel the Fit. yeah no he plays the Winter Soldier in the oh, okay, uh, yeah. and Sebastian Stan looks exactly like a young Mark Hamill. In fact, oh. Mark Hamill has tweeted about this before because there's a side-by-side oh, yeah. comparison of Mark Hamill in Empire Strikes Back next to Sebastian Stan with, you know, short hair and clean-shaven, and they look oh. identical. It's crazy. So, I mean, there's, very easily— There's no reason why that wouldn't happen. Yeah, know? and it's all Disney. Yeah. I mean, Sebastian Stan's always already working on a Falcon and the Winter Soldier TV series that's for like, That's like Disney. the possibility of— uh, uh, of um, of uh, Walter White appearing in Better Call Saul. You know, yeah, just exactly. know that that's hanging out there, you know. <laughs> yeah. So I'm wondering, like, at some point, are they going to recast uh, Luke Skywalker played by Sebastian Stan? It would be really interesting. I don't know. He's already part I don't know, but I have just, I, there's not been, a, there's not a shred of fat in any of this. I've been totally satisfied with every second of yeah. this series. It's yeah. just great. Yeah. Yeah. And you don't need to be a Star Wars fan to get into it. It's nope. dr- dramatically interesting character wise. It's fascinating. So yeah. my friend, uh, the website is, uh, what is it? MichaelHardeman.com. Is that it? Or is it MikeHardeman.com? Yeah, that's where the photography is. I'm thinking about setting up an Etsy store. I think that's really the next step. Are you serious? An Etsy store? Really? Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, that'd I, be I'm, great. I'm tired, of, I'm tired of working for other people. I want to start doing stuff for me. Yeah, absolutely. Jesus. I mean, at the very least, like a Patreon or something like that. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm working on that now. Uh, oh, very cool. Well, anything else you want to uh, plug here? What's your uh, What's your Twitter handle? Uh, it's it's at Rocky M N T N Mike. Uh, gotcha. Okay. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. And don't call me Rocky. <laughs> I know. I noticed someone made that mistake recently. That... No, it happens all the time. And when I thought of that name, I just never occurred to me. Oh God, people are going to start calling you. Rocky. So, so what they're thinking is <laughs> your first name is Rocky, and then your nickname is Mountain Mike. Is that? Yeah, I, I don't know how that. Just... How they're, they're perceiving lazy. that. They're yeah. Lazy. Okay, my friend. Well, thank you so much for uh, taking Thanks time for with me, me today. Had a blast here. And, and clearly, pleasure. we're going to have to do another show about Star Wars at some point soon. <laughs> yeah, I know that's absolutely. for sure. Okay, my friend. Take care. And we'll, uh, we'll talk to you. We'll see you on Twitter and so on. Thanks, Bob. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. The holiday season is the one time of year we all get to indulge in our favorite traditions and feel like a kid again. And no matter what you celebrate, everybody shares in the spirit of giving, whether it's giving gifts to our favorite people or spreading cheer to everyone around you. This year, give yourself and the ones you love an opportunity to look as young as the season makes you feel with 
Plexiderm. Plexiderm is a clinically studied serum that gives your appearance the right kind of changes. Visibly reduce wrinkles, fine lines, and even under eye bags in just minutes. Plexiderm even works on laugh lines, number 11s, and crow's feet too. Take up to 10 years off your appearance in less than 10 minutes. The results are going to last for hours so you can relax, surrounded by loved ones, knowing you're always looking your best. Even better, Plexiderm doesn't involve any visits to a surgeon, and it's cheaper than a round of hot cocos for you and your loved ones. You can try a six-application trial pack for just $14.95 with free shipping when you visit buyplx.com slash sexyliberal or call 800-685-1292 and say the code sexyliberal. This order also comes with free shipping and a 30-day money-back guarantee. Make those wrinkles, lines, and under-eye bags disappear with Plexiderm. Visit buyplx.com slash sexyliberal or call 800-685-1292 and say the code sexyliberal at checkout. Thank you. Have you ever wondered how to say good morning in Italian? Or what is goodbye in French? You can ask Alexa. Just say, what is happy birthday in German? Or how do you say hello in Japanese? Do you want to know how to say I love you in Spanish? Ask Alexa and start learning a new language today.